The last year, 65% of all consumer traffic, IP traffic in the world was video. And just looking at myself, I FaceTime, do a Google Meet, everything I consume, work-wise, private, entertainment, is no longer text and pictures. It is actually in a video, right? Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams book more meetings. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO, and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi everyone, my name is Mariam Germani, the CEO at Bamboozer, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi, and welcome, Mary. Thank you. So happy to be here this sunny Friday with blue skies. Yeah, it looks amazing, and it's great to have you here. And first thing first, always, who is Mary? Please help me get the context of how you look at yourself. Great. So I am a curious leader and a mother with passion for people, uh, our planet, uh, and impact. And I think my biggest motivator in life is Ikigai, which we can come back to later, but it's a Japanese word for purpose. So I think for me, it is very important to have a purpose on what I am doing with my time here on Earth. So I would say that is Mary in a nutshell. And before we start talking about Bamboozer and the elevator pitch and several other interesting topics, can we please stay with Mary and can you tell me quickly why Bamboozer? How did you end up where you are? So, you know, in Swedish, we have this saying in bananskal, like through a, you know, a coincidence. So I was headhunted to Bamboozer in 2018. And it was really, I just left, I just, I had just left ACOST. I was pregnant with my second daughter and was not in any plan to, to jump on a new thing. I was actually going to be off for some time before giving birth. They called me and I think this is the part that is quite fun and quite nostalgic. And I do believe in, in faith and, you know, that there is a plan for us that we don't know of sometimes. And she calls me and I'm I'm home and I lived in Vasastan in Stockholm. And she says like, yeah, you know, we have this temporary gig. The company is called Bamboozer. And I was just like, you know, they've been around for a while. So you, you know of like Bamboozer. And I asked her like, yeah, but where where is the office? And she's like, yeah, it's at Vestmanagatan 42 or 39. I lived at 39. I think this is a couple of years ago. And it's across, it's across the street from where I live. So I go to my window and I can actually see in through the office. <laughs> so, so that's how I ended up at Bamboozer. It was, it was a headhunting executive search that reached out to me. Uh, I, didn't, I really didn't want to do it. I met the people. And uh, yeah, I started here as a temporary CEO to sell the technology. There was not too much to sell. So then we pivoted. And six years later, here we are. And if we shift the spotlight now towards Bamboozer, it's time for the elevator pitch. 
What does Bambusa do? So, Bambusa helps brands and retailers to connect with their customers through interactive and shoppable videos on their own platforms, e-commerce platforms, or apps. Quite simple. Very simple. Very straight to the point, Pitch. And who, who would you say are they like persona? Who who listen right now is like, okay, I should actually dive into Bambooser. So I think like this. So if you look at e-commerce, it has been static for 30 years. So what is it? 25, 30 years ago since it evolved and just like took off, right? So if I am a brand and I sell something to... Uh, my no matter what your target group or you know your customer is and i want to sell my product in a different way than a static html page where there is a you know picture and a text and a buy button that i think every ecom manager in this earth have it iterated over time with colors and changing you know the, the size of the of the text and so on and you actually want to help your customer to make better informed purchase decisions and get happier clients, higher ROI, better conversions, less returns, then you should give us a call. Good. And it's actually time for something I call five quick ones. And Mary, here you need to be quick. I, I, I wish you had the word. Time. Yeah. Only one sentence, like quick first thought. Are you, do you understand and are you ready? I understand and I'm super ready. Let's go. Good. Here we go. Video. Is taking over internet. Your biggest role model. Going to be a little bit longer here. My parents, my daughters, my chairman, Joel, Bill Campbell, and Melinda Gates. And then I can go on forever, but that's a few. Next thing. The future of commerce. Less spontaneous shopping, more informed purchases, and much more entertainment. Interesting. Your happy place. With people I love. And uh, the last thing, uh, your scouting for this year, for the whole 2024. How to implement AI. Okay, several interesting things here. And I need to give you kudos for good and very quick answers here. Love that. Okay. I I have been practicing, I promise you. I've listened to your podcast before, so I thought I'm going to do my homework. (laughs) nice okay Uh, first thing video of course i need to stay here because i'm the ceo and founder of them who was video messaging for sales teams and now we are an outreach team still with video as a part of the core so i love to talk with other ceos about video so first thing here it's amazing it taking over internet can you please elaborate so going back to when i started at bamboozer What So the company was founded in 2007, and they really pioneered mobile live streaming. And what that means is that you take your mobile phone, and then you stream out to you know a website, a platform. And they did this with a, with a Nokia phone. I don't remember. It was a 3310 or 3312 without a screen, oh. if you remember. So they were really way, way before the time of video and you know internet and so on. I think video. So what we looked at back in 2019, when we pivoted from like mobile live streaming into video commerce, we looked at like, how is video evolving and how is people using video, right? 
And I think what is interesting, so last year, 65% of all consumer traffic, IP traffic in the world was video, right? And what that tells me, and just looking at myself, I FaceTime, I do a Hangout, I do a Google Meet. So um, every, everything like everything I consume, work-wise, private entertainment, is no longer text and pictures. It is actually in a video, right? So, and we see that number kager up. I think it's 20, 27 or 28, the 65% is 85%. If you look to Cisco's wow. measurements, how video, like how, how internet, like IP traffic is going from like static to video. And then that and- video can be live, interactive, pre-recorded. But like, if we do everything in video, why would we still shop static? And this leads me into, yeah, pit stop number two about my quick ones. The future of commerce. You said less spontaneous, more thoughtful to and entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, this is super interesting. Please, let's let's dive deep here. So we will come back to my ikigai and my purpose. Why? why I am on earth and what I should do with my time here. And unfortunately, I, I understood it through a quite big, how to say, grief on that your time here is limited, right? Because sometimes we go around and think that we're going to be here forever, but we're not going to yeah. be here forever. So you should really use the time you have here and do something good with it, right? So my feeling is like this. We, if we're going to have an earth to live in for, you know, our kids, kids, you know, if you look further down the road and we're going to have a planet, we cannot continue consume the way we do today. We need to stop consuming uh, shit and really start consuming what we actually need. Right. And I think a lot of people, we don't, everyone is stressed. Everyone is running. You don't have time. So like, how do we help people? to instead of that you're bored uh, on a Sunday evening, because I think that's the most, like if you look to e-com, that's where most purchases are made is Sunday evenings with most of our customers because people are bored and they don't want to go and work to Monday. So they just sit around and shop stuff they don't need. We need to start making better, you know, informed. And I think better purchases is connected to informed. And I'm going to go back to a very funny story. So. I love carpets and every vacuum cleaner and I have very special carpets and I'm Persian. So that's not weird because we love carpets. So (laughs) it goes back to my roots, you know, my Persian roots. Okay. I bought a lot of vacuum cleaners through the years. And when I was younger, I couldn't afford a better vacuum cleaner. So I needed to buy a new one every year because, you know, Persian rugs have a lot of like fibers in them. And Instead of going and buying a new vacuum cleaner every year, which is not good for my economy, it's not good for the planet, if somebody could help me and say, you know what, you need to invest, instead of the 2,000 kroners, you need to invest maybe like, you know, $1,000 or 10,000 kroners in a really good vacuum cleaner. But this one actually have lifetime guarantee. So you will never ever have to buy a new vacuum cleaner. For me, that is an informed purchase. When I get help with buying something I need rather than buying shit or buying stuff that just breaks. And I get that if you walk into a store, somebody would help me to make an informed purchase, right? Because there is someone there and they know what they're selling. 
But imagine we're doing more and more online purchases and online is not informed. It's it's just like, you know, you go there and you don't have a clue and then you put things in your basket. So we need to stop consuming and we need to do more right consuming, which is we inform people. So our one-to-one solution, there are a lot of clients. Elshop is one of the best in Scandinavia. We have a lot of international too. You can actually jump on a video with someone in the store and you can show them, this is my carpet. This is how it looks, or this is my, you know, I need help with my bike or whatever. And they will actually help you to buy the right stuff and guide you. And you also said here, entertainment. Give me some thoughts here. Like, like, how can a quote unquote, potentially boring company or a a, boring product yeah exactly work with entertainment give me just an example so me and the listeners can understand in the context of course so i think uh, we call it as shop attainment because it's shopping and entertainment so it's a quite funny word we use all the time is shop attainment right so you know, people, if you look to people like as a species, we're lazy, you know, we, we like we like to laugh, we like to have fun. And I think like if you could, so what happens? So we do both live streaming and only video, but what happens when you actually put a live stream on, you know, it's live and you know that when you're alive, things can happen, right? Things right. that wasn't planned to happen. And it becomes quite fun and entertaining, right? So by adding like, a nerve to your e-commerce it becomes fun and entertaining and it it really gives the consumer something they're not used to which creates this like you, it's easier to create a community and it's easier to like connect with your end consumers by actually making your product a bit more fun and i can give some flavor to that so everything from putting like we've had brands I think Uniqlo did this in Paris not too long time ago. So they have like this comedian. So she's huge. She has her own show on Netflix. So instead of bringing like a celebrity or a model, they brought her to do a live stream, right? So it wasn't too much focused on the clothes and the fashion level. It was more like we should entertain. You know, it would be fun because she's super fun, right? I don't remember her name. And it 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 became one of the most, you know, greatest episodes they've done. So like giving something to the consumer that is not like i want you to buy something it's more like i want to entertain you and if you like something then you can buy it yeah yeah i i fully agree on that way of selling and that is just another part of social selling social selling eating it up and now everywhere and we need to move on basically i have many more questions to you yeah and now it's time for an external input an external segment Yes. Because we will quickly be joined by Julia Söderqvist from Returbo. And this yeah. is her question. Hi, Miriam. How do you see a difference in the adaptation of the video commerce between different generations, such as Boomers and Gen Z? So I would say that, and I'm going to be very transparent and honest. So we sell to brands and then they sell to their consumers, right? So so we don't have like a direct dialogue to these consumers because it's it's not our customers right so we're a b2b b2c in the end of the day because our product actually touched the end consumer and we see some data but we don't have like the full insights because the brand have the fullest insight 
I would say so. I'm I'm, I'm going to be quite uh, how to say here and not in the details because we're not that much in the details. Of course, we look at the generations and how they move and how they are. You know, if you if you see the generations between the boom the boom boomers and Gen Z, is that of course Gen Z, most of them are have have some smartphone like they're not maybe you know they're not born with a smartphone but they are you know they 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 have had a smartphone for a, a bigger period of their life than generation boomers right so what we see there is that they are they are mobile first and they are video first that is the biggest difference they are used to video formats and, 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 and like being online. And, and I think the biggest aspect between them is really the social part, right? Because Generation Z, they are, they are hanging out in a digital world. They like, you know, they, they don't even need to meet each other at a coffee place because right. they, they hang out through a, you know, through a face, FaceTime or face zoom. While I would say generation boomers are more like, you know, they need the physical and like meeting people and so on. So I, I think we see a big difference. And I think what I look forward to, really, if I look to generations, is Generation Alpha, which is like my kids. If I just have to take it a bit further, which is like they're born from 2013. And if you look, you know, and I would say them, they are born with a smartphone at the hospital. <laughs> Like they get like a smartphone when they are zero at zero age, right? And I think that generation is gonna shift and move digital totally because like they are they they're born with a smartphone in their hands more or less. Yeah. Now now I'm feeling old when you started to talk yes, about that, yes. and I'm just thirty. Yes. <laughs> I can give you a fun example. So my my she's five now, but since she was two, my little daughter. When she sees something that looks like a screen, she will touch it and she thinks there is internet there and that she can like everything. So a, a phone for her is not a device. It's more like internet is everywhere and she can touch every screen and the screen is like interactive, right? So they have a very, very different deception of, you know, internet. Big they understand world. much more. And I think they're really going to change and shake, you know, digital forever. Give it six years with them, the first alphas that are like 18 and uh, yeah, 15 and Super AI on that. And we yeah. will have, yeah, crazy we will things. Be, Joseph, you and me will be very old. <laughs> yeah, but the, 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 then you always need to like surround yourself with the, the youngsters so you can have one year always. towards that. Uh, okay, uh, Julia, thank you so much for that <laughs> question. And uh, Mary, very we move on to talk about... One of the topics I love the most, go to market. You can never like over talk it. It's always so many different angles. And now here, I want to know the one thing according to you that's the most important connected to a great go to market strategy. What is that according to you? I think it is so simple. And then from, from simple, it becomes very complicated. Okay. But the simple part is, and where I think a lot of tech companies and B2B companies get it wrong, is that it doesn't matter if you have the best product in the world that will solve all the problems. It's super innovative. But if you cannot sell it and market it, nobody's going to buy it. 
So my number one go-to-market is that you have to sell your product and you have to market your product because if you don't do those two things right, doesn't matter how great your product is. That is doesn't matter if you know your ICP or you have all the charts and all the Excel sheets in the world and all the greatest, you know, how to say, systems. And I think that for me is the most important thing. Sell your product, number one, and then you need to market it in a proper way. And then below that, there is tons of more segmentation, ICP, focus. Like there is tons of stuff. Like you could give me two hours and we could talk go to market. (laughs) But I think normally with a lot of companies, they put a lot of time and effort to build a great, great product. Like the product is is the king, the queen, but then they forget to sell it. Because they think that the product will do the job. And we need to stay here because otherwise, from my perspective, it will be too high level. So we need to stay here. And I'm going to ask you now for your playbook. Where do you start? What's your best hack here? If you need to give the three or five things to think of now, skip the product, focus on understand how to sell it. Where do we start? I think focus is really important when you sell. And with that, I mean that you cannot, like, you have to have a strategy. So strategy is important. And and that, that takes me back to who is my ICP? And, and I think that leads back to the most important question, which I think also we have got it wrong a thousand times in at Bamboozer, and I think a lot of companies, is what is the problem I'm solving for Joseph? If If I come and want to sell something to you, what is the problem I'm trying to solve for you, right? To just push a lot of words, you know, conversion and returns or whatever, blah, 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 everybody's talking about. I need to understand your pain. So my best advice for people is like, you need to understand and you cannot, and I think this is also a very typical thing. You try to solve too many pains. So in the end of the day, you lose the customer because it's just like, I can do this for you and I can do this. Like, you know, I think, it needs to be a real pain. If you hit a real pain with a customer and you get their attention, you go in for the close. And when you close them, it is so important not just just see it like I closed the, the customer and now I'm happy because when you have closed the customer, the actual hard work starts, which is I have to prove them that my product is helping them to cure the pain they had. Okay, so... so- Part one of Mary's playbook is to focus with the strategy that leads to the ICP, that leads to understand the problem you solve, that leads to one problem with a real pain. Okay. Part two. The the most important one, solve the pain. Exactly. And then it leads to part two. Once you have convinced them and solved, solve the pain. And once you have nailed this, you would say, mission complete from the go-to-market most important thing? Go-to-market, yes, but I think also in, in the, how to say, in the, in, the, in the world of sauce and churn, I mean, it is a relationship. You are building, like, I think this is also one thing that a lot of pro- product-centric companies, because a lot of sauce companies are very product-centric and not sell, like market-centric, is that there are tons of competitors that wants your customers, right? They will approach your customers. They have a cheaper version. They have an AI version. They have something you don't have. 
I mean, if you don't have a strong relationship with your customer, you will not be given the chance to to stay and compete with the other person who's trying to take your customer from you, right? So I think the second biggest part is to build a relationship because if you have a good relationship with your client, they will come back to you and say, hey, Mary, you know what? I love your product, but I have a CFO and I have I, you have a competitor that has come to me and they will give it away for free or, you know, whatever. And you will give them be given the chance to stay in that account or they will say no. But if you don't have a relationship, I promise you, you will be out of the door. So I think, you know, you should not underestimate the importance of building strong relationships. Okay. So from what I'm hearing and to summarize your three-step handbook now of the one thing I, I, I hearing focus, strategy, ICP, solve one real pain that's the first yes. part step two actually solve the pain quickly don't, don't take too much time solve it not just fantasy and words and step three build a relationship so you can stay there for long and don't churn so much you're gonna have a great nr if you do that yes good okay taking it to another angle of the go-to-market outreach and now I don't want to understand if you do outreach and how you do it. I actually want to get the data points, Mary, how you would like to get approached in the best way in outreach. What's your preferred way of being approached in an outreach process? Oh, best question. So I get bombed in my inbox. So, oh my God, I'm, I'm actually quite upset because I, I was... I was counting the other day how much of my time goes to like unsubscribe, please stop emailing me. You know, in the beginning, <laughs> I was really nice. I'm like, now it's just like, please stop emailing me, emailing me. I think it's it's sad to see the mass the mass outreach. Like, you know, there is a, a chat GPT who wrote me this uh, nice message and there is no substance in it, right? I think for me, the best way, and when I actually respond to people, I would say LinkedIn is is quite good. I get a lot of spam on LinkedIn too, but that's a bit where I have, a, like my inbox is so spam, so I cannot even see, you know, the trees for the forest or what do you see, the forest for the trees. But on LinkedIn, I have a more pure inbox. So I would say LinkedIn and where there is, once again, there is a purpose, like there is something in there for me that that either interests me or can help me, right? Not just like, I'm not uh, yet another someone that wants to sell something to you that really doesn't solve anything for you. Good. Thank you for sharing. And this means that I will stop staring the narrative right now because we have arrived to a topic of your choice. And the only rule here is that you need to talk about something that you are nerdy about and feel passion for. So the floor is yes. yours. Thank you so much. So... I think what I'm really nerdy about and what I'm passionate about, and I think I said this in the start, is is people. And it can be both as a CEO and a leader, but also friends or relationships, right? The dynamic. And for me, something I really want to do, and I hope that I succeed, is really to build, and it, this is really tough for any company, no matter size or you know if you're successful or not. It's to build amazing teams that are happy at work, like they love what they do, 
they're connected to what they're building or selling and also connect that to outstanding performance like you know you're you're just the efficiency is high the the and i think so building it to summarize it i'm quite nerdy about how you build high performing teams that are happy and and outperforms every everyone else i mean that that is really that is something i'm quite nerdy about and that i'm trying to figure out at bamboozer and that i think in the end of the day i always say it doesn't matter what you sell seriously i could be selling you know a coffee cup or a pencil or a sauce and i love ai i love technology i think our world there is a lot of you know of course there's a lot of bad stuff with all of this also but i think the greatness is bigger than you know the downside but in the end of the day it's people connecting with people to be very honest it's it's not ai connecting to ai right at least and for now at least for now we'll see i think robots is coming i mean had a lot of i wasn't at nrf last week but I, there is a lot of coming but but for now and and i still i don't know i i've never been touched by something that hasn't been a human involved somehow like when you really get touched it's 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 really humans somehow involved in that so i have a hard time seeing humans just fade away but but i think that's what i'm really nerdy about and i think that is the hardest thing to success for a company is really building teams great individuals and i've learned that the hard way are great but you need to take those and build teams because you know individuals they can win you know they can win a prize but it's it's the teams that wins the championships in the world where should we begin then because i i hate loose ends i i just i i, I want to hear something and then i want to understand how i connected to value for me so so where to start now if if you have steer the topic towards how to create high performing teams where should one start if you want to build high performing teams i think it's one should start with getting a lot of good mentors around you because i think that leadership is is not something you can like it needs to be learned if you understand me it's it's learning by doing right for some it never comes but for most people i would say it's it's really learning by doing and the more mentors you have around you that have done all the mistakes or have done it the way it shouldn't have done the easier it's going to be for you right so i would say you start with getting really good mentors around you that have built and not mentors that are just mentors actually mentors that have done and build successful high performing teams. I think that that's a, that's a good advice that I I wish I somebody have told me when I was very young. Then I think it it really it it is really and 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 it is hard and it, that's why it's such a topic. I read a lot. Uh, I love reading studies. I love talking to like both psychologists but also other great leaders. I listen to a lot of podcasts like you need to be interested but i think in the end of the day to be able to build those teams you need to be interested in in what makes people tick right and different things make i know that from leading a technology you know i mean developers and sales people different stuff you know makes them tick and happy right <laughs> so i think in the end of the day it's really about you as a leader need to be interested in your people 
because that is in the end of the day, the biggest resource you have, not your product, it's your people. Make sure to take care of them and then really have a great transparent culture and ask them very frankly, what makes you happy? What makes you, you know, what makes you stay here for five more years? What do I need to do for you to stay and be happy and perform? And while you are choosing this topic, is this because of your own experience that happened that I read in, in media and break it for, was it one year ago, two years ago, a while ago with rotation in the management team? So, so parts of it, it is. I mean, I would say that, you know, we grew very fast. I mean, when I started at Bambuzer, we were like seven, nine people. And then we grew to like 200 plus within like one and a half years. So we, we recruited in a very, very fast pace. And we recruited not in Sweden, but we recruited in in US, in Paris, in, in UK. Like so so we really went from zero to to a large group of people very fast. So I think as a leader, you you will do the wrong recruitments and, and that's a part of the job. And you will, you know, and, and you will need to redo those recruitments or, or you know, replace people to, to get like a team working. I think my, my, both my lesson and my, I, th- I think my, also for other entrepreneurs and leaders is really to not to be afraid of doing changes because that, that is, ne- I mean, that's your job. You need to do those if you want to, you know, succeed and build an organization that is, that is crucial but but to how to say to summarize it i think if you want to be successful if you want to build a company where people are happy you are you're growing and you're profitable i think your people is your number one how to say asset thank you for sharing about the topic of your choice and uh, we're putting period there and uh, entering the roundup this means that we only have a few questions left and the first thing here What's your favorite book? So my absolutely favorite book that is kind of Bible for me, actually, that I go back to maybe once a month, uh, and I'm not kidding you. Oh, wow. So it's <laughs> it's not a book that I don't think many people have read it, but it's a book called Trillion Dollar Coach. And it's a book about, his name is Bill Campbell. And he is, oh. I would say, uh one of our most successful like modern entrepreneurs and why the book is called trillion dollar coach is it because he coached and mentored everything from steve jobs to larry page google like a lot of the like silicon valley you know super successful entrepreneurs when they were building their companies right and he was like their mentor and it's called Trillion Dollar Value because he, they say that through his mentorship, he created trillion dollars of market value for these companies, right? Most of like Google, Apple. And and I think what fascinates me, and, and Bill died a couple of years ago, so he, he's no longer with us. And this is some kind of a tribute to him from all of the people he coached. And I think it's one of the best handbooks in both leadership but also in if you want to build like a great technology company that becomes a google or apple so that's my best best book ever that i go back to often thank you for mentioning that because when i i i recognize this name like oh shit i i read it the summer 
2021. So good. Mm. Really it's an amazing. old book. It's not a new book, but it, no. it's a great book. Yeah, great book. So I, I will read that again. And you, Julius, uh, heard this. Listen to it. Uh, read it if you haven't done that. Okay. Yes. Second last question. A life motto. Can you share one of your favorite life mottos? I actually have one. It is Ikigai. And Ikigai is it's Japanese. And it stands for the purpose of life. Okay? And I think that everyone needs to have a purpose with their life. Uh, and I think the higher, the higher impact you have, the higher purpose, right? And, and that trickles down to that your destiny is in your own hands. This is super crucial because a lot of people think that it's, you know, it's luck. And it, no, 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 no. It's you and what you decide every morning when you wake up. I want to add one more thing to the to the ikigai, which is uh, I learned this actually from another really great CEO that I can mention the name of, but he's he's a great he 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 has been like one of the greatest CEOs I would say in the Nordics, and he had been in the army for many years, and I asked him because I was at this leadership course and he was there talking and I was quite young and you know he 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 had been a diver in the army you know and a diver that's the toughest one because the yeah. breathing you know they go out and and then he compared that to business and he said that you can more or less survive anything you know being underwater with no with no air or in a situation in life where you feel like you lost your you know your breath yeah. Focus on your breath. If you have a good breathing, you can survive anything. So I think that is one of the things I always tell people, like your breathing, if you have a good breathing, you can survive more or less anything that happens to you. And the very last question then, and now you're talking to yourself. What is the top one to three things you would tell the younger self that you now know that you didn't know? I would say... To be more in the present and really enjoy and not just think forward all the time, but really be in the present because that's how you enjoy life. How to do more with less and be curious of, of things that are happening and, and, and stay, you know, stay curious, I would say. Stay curious. And with these words... I'm now shifting the focus to you as we're listening. Two quick ones. Number one, if you got some sort of value here from Mary, don't be selfish. Tell a friend or tell a colleague to listen to Mary in B2B SaaS CEOs. And thing number two, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming here every week. And Mary, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me to help the SaaS community to keep on learning. It was my pleasure, Joseph. Thank you for having me.